What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got Kip Adams with me this week as we tackle a whole lot of stuff going on around Athens and the Georgia Bulldogs football program. Uh, Kip, we had you on the the DL last week, but how are you feeling being back and uh, trying to get back to 100%? I am officially day to day. That is my official designation. Uh, you know, hanging in there. I, I think you know when you see that injury report when you wake up every morning. Uh, you'll know whether I'm, I'm good to go for that day. That that's how I'm taking it. But hey, glad to be here. Uh, never a dull moment on the Georgia beat. I think uh, you know when people talk about what we do for a living and then. You know, usually after after the last game is played, you get that. Well, now you guys get to relax. You know, take take some time off. Uh, that is not how this works, guys. Uh, the college football is has been a year round sport for a long time, but uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. We, you know, you, you want a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say drama, but you, you want to be able to, you know, know what you have to cover and and be ready to you know, report and, and, and do what you do at any moment's notice. You can kind of get used to that. But, uh, I mean, we love this shop. And I think uh, right now there's a lot going on with Georgia football, you know, some good, some bad. But, uh, you know, we're here to talk about all of it. And, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening to us. Yeah, we'll get into some of it and start off. And I kind of want to read 1207 on Tuesday afternoon for people who are listening to this after the fact, because things could very much change by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so on Monday morning, wide receiver Rara Thomas, who had transferred into Georgia from Mississippi state, he was arrested by UGA police, felony charge of false imprisonment, a misdemeanor charge of family violence, first offense. We're still waiting on the info I've put in, as I know other people on the Georgia beat, I put in for the arrest report to get the details and, uh, you know, I've been on a couple of radio hits since this happened, and I know Kip and I are on the same page. We're not going to speculate. You know, things are going to play out. We're going to see what happens, but there's no need to guess at what's going to happen. We're going to get the information uh, at some point, and we'll pass it along then. Uh, but I don't think it does anybody any good to speculate about what's going to happen, either legally or on the football field with, with Ra Ra Thomas. I think it's um, just all waiting to see what happens, and we're going to leave it at that. Just be watching on Dogs 247. Once we get more pertinent information about what's going on with Rara Thomas, we'll share it there, um, but we're going to leave it at that. S- 
So to that point, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff going on, and let's start with Setson Bennett getting another award. Uh, it's kind of a, a surprise, something that I, I wasn't aware of. was really in the mix. Uh, on Monday, we get an email uh, that uh, he has won the Manning Award, which is a quarterback award. Um, it's a little unique compared to some of the other national awards. They wait until after the postseason, and uh, I think – uh, Archie Manning put this out in his statement when the the award was announced at Cincinnati One that you know maybe there has never been a candidate for this award who so you know showed and and showed that he deserved this award than Stetson did with his play uh, playoff performance and also the SEC championship game performance. Stetson takes home the award uh, on Monday. I was able to hop on a Zoom with uh, other beat writers and uh, Archie Manning and Stetson as well. You know really. Impressed with what Stetson had to say, he made sure to thank his teammates. He thanked specifically uh, Todd Monk and Stacey Searles for the job they did. My my highlight of that conversation was Stetson, you know, there was kind of a moment where it's Archie and Stetson sort of talking back and forth. And uh, Stetson's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but I was only sacked nine times. And Stetson's kind of going on, and Archie sort of jumps in and goes, you know, I beat you there. He said, I beat you in one game. I got sacked 11 times against the Chicago Bears. I don't know if that was – I'm assuming that's when he was with the Saints, but uh, he had a habit of, of playing on some teams where Archie was was kind of the only guy. Um, but when it came to, like, well, what Stetson had to say, um, he talked a lot about Cedric Van Pran. He was asked about Cedric coming back and praised him. Um, you know, he, uh, he talked – he was answering one question – and uh, his dog off camera threw up. So I said, well, this, you know, <laughs> athletes are just like us, you know, just trying to get a little work done and the dog gets sick. Um, but you know, I thought that Stetson was really measured as he talked about, you know, like legacy and, and the things that he was a part of at Georgia and the next step, you know, t- he talked about where he's going to be training in Fort Worth, Texas, um, sort of his thoughts going ahead. If, if people uh, perceive him like they did in college, sort of, um, you know, not really being a, a big time prospect. And he basically said, you know, that's kind of part of it. Um, but, you know, really cool to get a chance to listen to Stetson talk about this award because I do think it meant a lot to him. Um, I wrote about this yesterday, but he said when he was younger, you know, obviously as a kid, he, he's growing up wanting to be a quarterback. And he said, his dad said, look at Peyton and Eli, do what they do. And he talked, Stetson talked about going back and watching interviews and seeing how they conducted themselves that way. And then obviously the way they played, I have to imagine that award meant a lot to him. Again, kind of a capstone on what we've talked about so much. Just an incredible career. Yeah. And now uh, looking forward to the NFL. I think uh, this is something that, again, so many times during his career, you, you, you take a step back and you say, you know, I never thought we'd be talking about this. I never thought we'd be discussing Stetson Bennett in this way. <clears throat> now we're watching Brock Purdy, you know, uh, go seven and zero as a starter as Mister Relevant in the draft. Hasn't you know had he scored seven touchdowns in the playoffs so far, no turnovers. And if there's somebody helping Stetson Bennett's stock right now, it's obviously Brock Purdy. Every you know every single time he goes out there and quiets all the doubters you, you, you look at Stetson Bennett and you, you think that that's all he's done in his career and before the season started we talked about can Stetson Bennett throw for 4,000 yards you know and then halfway through the season or toward the end of the season we're thinking 
what does he need to do to get to New York? And we're having all these discussions and he, and he hit every single mark. And, and now we're, we're talking about him preparing for the NFL draft. And that's the next discussion. Will he hear his name? You know, will he be drafted? And it's just another one of those questions that I, I think that doubt about your own peril. Uh, I think it's just, he's at the point where, you know, there, you look at all the, the, Things you look for in a quarterback, and you, now you have to start asking yourself, what doesn't Stetson Bennett bring to the table? You know, where, you know, why not? Why are we questioning whether he can get things done? And, and I think that's that's where it is right now. I mean, obviously, scouts are going to pick him apart. You can't pick apart his legacy at Georgia. You can't take away anything of what he's done there. He's one of the most heralded quarterbacks in college football history now. And now we're discussing the fact that the College Football Hall of Fame, you might want to change your requirements for, for entrance because you can't talk about college football now without talking about Stetson Bennett. And the fact that he was not voted an All-American, having that as your criteria, uh, something's broken there. Uh, just like we, we said with Mike Leach, with him being a percentage point away from being eligible to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, um, you know, you can't talk about college football without Mike Leach. And you can't talk about college football now without talking about Stetson Bennett. There's two people that uh, are deserving of being in the Hall of Fame now because, I mean, their careers are, the, you know, they're both legendary, huge impact. And I think that just says a lot about Stetson Bennett. You know, he believed in himself from day one, never lacked for confidence. And, and I think uh, that's going to do him well in life regardless. Uh, but I, I think now we, we, we should have known this all along. You know, he always had that in him. And he's proven it to everyone at this point. Yeah, Archie Manning was asked about, you know, changing the requirements. And he basically said, yeah, you know, that's something that probably should be considered. And uh, it's it's so funny. You probably hear my dog bar- uh, barking in the background. I think uh, she got jealous of me talking about Stetson's dog. Uh, but the thing that strikes me with like the Hall of Fame and, and Mike Leach was a great example you brought up because he was talked about again because he was just percentage points away from being eligible. Those you know numbers and you know criteria should be a guideline in my opinion. They should not be a rule. I mean, just think about you know the the conversation that's always been around Georgia football is Eric Russell and what he did at Georgia Southern and because his numbers, I think it might have been how long he was a head coach. He's not eligible. Um, there's some kind of criteria that is required that Eric Russell does not meet. But you think about the job he did at Georgia as a defensive coordinator, then the job he did starting the program at Georgia Southern. It's one of those things, that, and uh, you know, it's you see it with all the Hall of Fame stuff. I keep seeing you know conversations with the baseball thing and Andrew Jones, and it's like just common mm-hmm. sense, guys. Were these guys Hall of Famers? People were arguing that you know Andrew Jones isn't because he basically stole outs from his teammates. It was like what are we talking about? Just use your head. Don't don't get lost in it. Stetson Bennett's a college football hall of famer, Mike Leach is a college football hall of fame head coach. Um and that's just sort of the way it is. And if you want to get into the numbers, if there's anything this season taught me, you know, obviously Stetson had great numbers, but I mean, the numbers can only carry so much. You know, you think about, you know, Georgia still hasn't had another 1,000-yard receiver. Well, do you knock Brock Bowers because he didn't hit four digits with the number of receiving yards he had? I wouldn't. I mean, you, you can only put so much into the numbers, and I get it, and it's easy to kind of go down, you know, a, a rabbit hole looking at numbers and say, oh, well, this compares to this. But at a certain point, like Stetson Bennett led Georgia to 15 wins and, and had the season he had. and The numbers 
what, wherever you want to put the numbers, I think you can't put your entire faith in the numbers, and, and that's just sort of how I see it. Yeah, I mean, he went up against other Heisman finalists and outplayed them every single time. You know, you go, you win the MVP in, in every college football playoff game you're in. And then going back to Brock Bowers, I mean, uh, you can't ding him because he they handed him the ball. And he, scored, he scored as a running back. He got that thousand yards from scrimmage, uh, you know, because of his versatility. So, yeah, I think if we're going to if we're talking about the baseball Hall of fame, you know, open the College Football Hall of Fame up to voting and see what happens there. I don't think you're going to have a problem with Leach or Stetson Bennett getting in if you, st- if you open up to allow people to vote. And so, again, the fact that we're having this discussion means that a conversation is warranted. And I, I think you, you just look at Stetson Bennett's career. Uh, you know, everyone knows the journey at this point, but just him on the field. I, I think every single time he went out there, in a big game, uh, you know, he was the he was the most outstanding player on the on the field that night, uh, and, and so it says a lot about him as a competitor, but also just says a lot about him and his natural ability as, as a playmaker and the the time that he put in to make sure that uh, in those big games uh, he was at his best, and he definitely was for Georgia. Let's transition from Stetson Bennett to the guy who lined up in front of Stetson throughout really these past two seasons. A big get for Georgia in the news on uh, last week that Cedric Van Pran is coming back to Georgia for his junior season. A lot of questions there. You already knew that Georgia was going to be losing their left and right tackle, as well as sort of a uh, versatile option that was on the bench in Warren Erickson. Um, but Cedric coming back is huge. I want to read this quote that uh, Stetson had yesterday about Cedric. He said, quote, Ced is that constant. He's that consistent. He doesn't get hurt. He plays every single play and every single snap, and he wants to. He's going to help whoever, Carson, Brock, Gunner. He's going to help an extreme amount, if nothing more than the comfort level, because he's been on the biggest stage and the biggest games, and he's performed. Um, you know, I've kind of paired with both of these, I mean, paired with Cedric, Lab McConkey coming back, uh, especially now with the questions at receiver as we go forward. Uh, two two huge um, additions by guys just deciding to come back because they would have left major holes. But let's talk about Cedric. Kip, what do you think this means, having a veteran in the middle of that offensive line, how valuable that is for Georgia, especially knowing they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback in 2023? I mean, you said it. They're going into the spring uh, with a – not just a, an outstanding center, but a senator where I, I can't recall the last time I saw a bad snap from Cedric Van Pran. You know, we've watched some centers come in, some some high, highly touted ones, guys that went on the NFL. But, you know, for Georgia, there were ups and downs as far as just, you know, getting good snaps on a consistent basis because maybe they weren't, you know, a natural center coming in. And they just had to learn on the fly at Georgia. Cedric Van Pran came in and just established consistency and, and just dependability. You can depend on him every single game to go out there and perform at a high level. And I think that really helps Stetson Bennett, you know, perform uh, as well as he did. And I, I kind of just liken it, you know, Nolan Smith coming back uh, last year, uh, this you know, this past season. It's just that's important from a leadership standpoint. I brought that up as far as what Kirby Smart's going to be looking for at the time when I when I was talking about how important leadership is for Kirby Smart in the offseason, I did not expect Cedric Van Pran to come back. I was wondering where will this leadership come from? That question's been answered. 
Uh, it is 100% going to come from Cedric Van Pran, not just in the offensive room, the whole team. He will be that alpha, and he will be that team captain and team leader during the spring and this offseason for Georgia, and that's huge. I mean, uh, Kirby knows he can count on, on, on said to to have everyone in line and, and doing exactly what he wants to do from a culture standpoint and from an offseason workout standpoint. So that's huge as well. And he's an outstanding football player. This is a guy that I think right now probably had a, a very early third-round grade, but had a chance to really sneak into that second round, maybe second or third center in the draft. So he had a good draft grade, and he's made that decision to come back. It's kind of similar to Jordan Davis, you know, a guy that, you know, we knew had an NFL future. Making that decision to come back was obviously huge for for Georgia uh, the year before. So now, once again, for the third year in a row, Georgia is having, you know, an outstanding football player come back and a guy that's a huge leader. I think, you know, if whoever lines up at quarterback for Georgia (laughs) – they just won. They, uh, I think uh, it, it's a huge boost for Georgia's offense because I just think that Cedric Van Pran's an outstanding player, an outstanding person, outstanding leader on this football team, and, and going to be one of the, you know probably the best center in college football next year. Uh, I feel fairly confident in that. I, know, I believe West Virginia's got an outstanding center as well, but I think right now uh, Cedric Van Pran gives Georgia again outstanding offensive line, a position that was going to be a question mark with you know multiple offensive tackles headed the nfl uh and but now we're turning a lot more snaps uh to this offensive line than what we originally thought uh, and it was a line that again should have won the jim moore award last year when you think about this offensive line and it is going to look significantly different but you do have amarius mims coming back cedric uh and being big as well that's just so huge knowing that uh, there's going to be a different quarterback no matter what to have that kind of reliability up front and a guy that can keep that entire line in check and in the right place. Uh, Georgia gets a huge win when Cedric Van Pran decided to come back. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the coaches out on the road, staying busy, uh, checking in on different high schools and different recruits and uh, what it's been like and, and what the Bulldogs are looking to accomplish. Uh, we'll do that when we come back from this break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Kip, I'll throw it to you. You kind of did a, a, a roundup, a good chronicling of everything that went on last week as the Georgia coaches were really busy 
keeping the roads hot around Athens and outside of Athens as they went about uh, checking in on high schools and, and getting uh, busy once again on the recruiting trail. What sort of stood out to you and, and what were some of the highlights, things that really caught your eye uh, with what the coaches did last week? Yeah, I mean, they – they're relentless as usual. Kirby Smart demands no less from his coaching staff. And I, I think you just saw them kind of do this last year, right after winning the national championship. They just went out right out on the road. And this isn't necessarily anything for the 2023 class because, again, that class is mostly done, you know, heading into the old traditional signing day. Right now, it's, it's about 2024, 2025, and, and even 2026. And I just think, you know, you, you look at the uh, – You'll get South Georgia for for the next couple of classes. Uh, there are a lot of big time recruits out there, and I think you know Kirby Smart made it a point to to get to Savannah, to you know to get to Lee County, to get to Valdosta, Thomas County Central, uh, obviously Colquitt County. They've got two commitments in the in the twenty twenty four class already in Landon Thomas and, and Nye Carr. Made sure to, to check in at those schools. This is kind of just a setting up for the spring and, and letting these guys know they're going to be priorities in the next couple of recruiting classes. And, and it was it was uh, impressive just to see that you know the the coaching staff is hitting you know double digit schools on Tuesday on Wednesday and Thursday, making the most of this time before the the dead period hits uh, once again. Uh, I, I think you, you look at the 2024 class; it's once again going to be you know, a coast to coast recruiting class for Georgia and a lot of recruits, you know, have Georgia high on their list. And, and obviously so with the way Georgia's played, I think that 2024 cycle is looking like it could be, you know, one of the best Georgia's ever had. And it just seems like, you know, you, you can't really have hyperbole with Georgia recruiting anymore. Like what, what does best mean right now? Kirby smart hasn't really had a, you know, a down class, but I just think, you know, you look at all the guys early on in this cycle that that have Georgia high on their list. It, it is an intensely talented group, a deep group, and I think it's going to be one of those where, where Georgia's kind of picking which which recruits they want in the class uh, out of the top fifty, out of the top one one hundred. So really impressive just to see all the different high schools that, that the entire coaching staff saw, and, and that article is on the site if you guys want to check that out and see which guys Georgia, uh, you know, checked in at their high schools and, and uh, you know, which which recruits are at those schools. I think looking just uh, ahead to signing day, which, you know, incredibly, it's it's basically a week away. You know, next Wednesday, February 1st, will be the national signing day. And, yeah, Georgia is not done in this class. You know, you still have a pretty big target out there and Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in the country. Hard Harley not satisfied to have two outstanding tight ends signed and already, uh, you know, in the program and, and Lawson Lucky and uh, Pierce Sperlin, you know, a couple of uh, basically top 100 tight ends he added to the tight end room. Why not get the number one tight end in the country? A guy that, you know, three or four months ago, you know, everyone's kind of questioning, you know, can Todd Harley, can he bring in three tight ends in cycle? How many tight ends can he get? Well, the question is, I guess the answer is he can get however many he wants. And I think you look at Deuce Robinson, he really stood out uh, out there in the Polynesian Bowl, 6'6", 230 pounds, kind of, you know, has some some Kyle Pitts to his game, uh, a, a top 30 overall prospect in the country. He took his official visit to Georgia in September, but right now it looks like he might be back in Athens this weekend just to check out Georgia one last time and, if he shows up in Athens, I think that bodes really well for Georgia's chances to add yet another five-star to this class. And it might not be the only five-star they add uh, to the program 
on signing day. 2024 class, number one cornerback Ellis Robinson out of IMG Academy, he's set to announce his commitment on February 1st. So I think Georgia could get, you know, good news on Wednesday in multiple classes, adding the number one cornerback in the country for 2024 to a, a group that's already ranked, again, number one in the country right now in the 24-7 sports uh, class rankings. Like I said, this 2024 group is shaping up to be a really epic class for Georgia. So you know, might have news in multiple classes on Wednesday. It, it should not be a dull day. We'll have it covered at Dogs 247. Yeah, keep an eye out because there's going to be no shortage of recruiting news. And like you were talking about, Kip, with how good they have routinely recruited, it's like, is this the best class or is it just the most recent? Because it is neck and neck every year with what they've been able to do in the past. Yeah, I think what you're at the point where you're comparing, you're nitpicking, it's kind of semantics. I think it's more, you know that Kirby Smart's going to put that roster in the best possible place for to have the smallest margin of error. It's, you know, it's kind of a lottery. You're not sure how any of these guys are going to develop. But once you kind of cross over that 300-point threshold in, in those 24-7 sports team class rankings, uh, you know that you, you're probably going to have some guys that are going to help your program compete for national championships. And then you, you, you kind of go over there and you, you look at that average class rank, uh, at player ranking. You know, you know, if it's over 93, uh, you know, that tells you that you're, you, your class is full of guys that are really, really talented. I mean, I, I'm thinking like, a 93 ranking is like a top 130 player in the country. And so if if that's your average player in the class, I think you're doing pretty well. And I think that's that's kind of just where we're at with Kirby Smart in this program. It's not a situation where it's on autopilot because they're putting in a lot of work. Like I said, the week before uh, this past week, I mean, they visited 100 high schools in one day. They were all tweeting about it through all the day, throughout the day, you know, 100 uh, – uh, 101 or whatever, 110. They were all visiting 10 each, but I think actually Todd Hartley visited like 25. So I think, again, uh, he's kind of doing a, a lot of heavy lifting on the recruiting uh, trails right now, but why not? I think, you know, his position room and, and what he's been able to put on the field with Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp, I, I, I don't think there's a, you know, a tight end coach with a comparable resume to him right now. So he's got a lot of recruiting equity, but that that's just, again, you have to continue to uh, to push forward, and you have to you have to keep ha- you know have that hunger, just like Kirby Smart wants in his players. He has to keep that instilled in his coaching staff as well, because you get complacent. I mean, there are other uh, you know recruiters out there that are up and coming. They're trying to make a name for themselves, and they'll swoop right in there, and you you lose a recruitment here and there, and, and you know next thing you know, that margin for error increases a little bit. And so, again, each individual recruitment is still really, really important and bears monitoring for Georgia. And I think right now, uh, you know, with the guys they're in on right now, there's never a better time to to follow Georgia recruiting right now because there's some elite players that are really looking at at the Bulldogs in the 2024, 2025, even 2026 classes right now. So, you know, stay tuned. I think there's there's a lot of good news on the way for Georgia football. Before we wrap up this episode, we're going to do the Men's Basketball Minute. Um, really tough setback for Georgia. Had the Kentucky loss last week and then played Vanderbilt at home on Saturday. Really good crowd, and they just could not stop Vanderbilt. They lose to Vanderbilt 85-82. Had a chance late and pretty much played the last minute of that game well to set up at least an opportunity. Jabri Abdul-Rahim gets a look. Uh, he is covered on the shot, cannot hit it. 
Georgia loses at home to Vanderbilt. Really a tough loss in the fact uh, that Georgia did come back in that game, that they played well down the stretch, but just could not stop Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was a team that came in hitting something like 8.1 three-pointers per game, and they hit eight in the first half. They could not be stopped. Um, very tough loss, second straight loss for Mike White and company. I think it was kind of a loss that put some fans' expectations back to probably where they should have been. Um, you know, I was getting questions about, could this team make the NCAA tournament? What does the postseason look like? They're still in a good position, I think, probably 17, 18 wins, which I still think is an outstanding first season. But a loss at home to Vanderbilt probably sort of tapers expectations and, and the thought um, because things were going so well. You lose to a team that was out was without one of their uh, bigs and didn't really didn't really phase Vanderbilt and they had a great day shooting. Uh, they play Georgia played again on Wednesday night. Uh, they will play at number four Tennessee. Uh, Georgia's thirteen and six, three and three in SEC play. Tennessee sixteen and three, six and one in SEC play. Just gonna straight up say it. They're gonna have their hands full. Uh, I don't expect them to come out of Knoxville with a win. Um, but they played Kentucky pretty well in that first half on the road last week. We'll see what they can do to try to follow that up. But, uh, again, I, I tell people, and I wrote this after that Vanderbilt loss, don't lose sight of what they've been able to accomplish. Even if they fall short of the NCAA tournament, even if they don't wind up with an NIT bid, a lot of forward progress with Mike White and company, and I still think a lot to like with what they've done with year one in, in uh, Athens playing in Stegman Coliseum. Definitely. And uh, I want to jump in and, and uh, answer Jordan Harris's question on, on who the r- top running back is for, for 2024. You know, they have one committed right now in Tavani Mazel, but I think if you're Dale McGee and, you know, you get, you know, this is a big cycle for him, you know, you got to bring in two. Why not start with the number one running back in the country? And that's Jared Gibson out of IMG Academy, a guy that, again, has been in campus, has had Georgia very high on his board, and a guy that, 24-7 sports compares to Sony Michelle, you know, just based on his skill set. I think that is a, a recruit that Dell is kind of keyed in on, and he's made him a priority right now. I like where Georgia is. They're going to have to fight off Texas. Texas had him on campus uh, over the last weekend for their, their big junior day, and, and they're making a big push there. I know that, that that's going to be a recruitment that we're definitely tracking at Dogs 247. I like where Georgia is right now with him. I think, it, you know, if you're Dale McGee, why not? You know, you, you should be shooting for the, you know, the, the top running back in every cycle. And I think that's what he's doing uh, in, in this class, trying to get an elite pair of running backs. Got one committed right now who's a top 10 running back in the country. If you can add the number one guy to that, that group, I, I think you've done pretty well. And so I, I think right now, that's where things stand. I really like where George is with Jarrett Gibson. We'll, we'll see what happens in the spring. On that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. I appreciate Kip for hopping on. Appreciate everybody who watched and listened to this live and uh, everyone who's checking this out after the fact. Uh, Be sure to keep an eye on Dogs247. We're going to have all kinds of content. A busy weekend with a lot of recruits coming on campus, I believe, and we'll we'll try to iron this out. I think we may do a podcast on Friday with Rusty Mansell talking about the weekend and some of the players that are coming on board. Keep an eye out for all the Georgia football news, the men's basketball news, the coverage from that Tennessee game I mentioned a few minutes ago. We'll be all over that. But until next time, for Kip Adams, I'm Jordan Hill. And until next time, take care.
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.